Amen. Um, and so it's, uh, it is exciting to, to meet on this first Sunday of 2019. And I, I do trust, as I said earlier, that you had a good uh, Christmas and especially um, New Year's. And uh, I don't know what your traditions are. Maybe uh, you like to go to sleep before New Year's and some of you like to stay up really late. Yeah, it's okay. As we get older, I guess that happens, but that's all right. But um, one thing that uh, that never goes out of style and something that is probably uh, a, um, a New Year's resolution for every believer is that we would spend more time in prayer. And uh, you may have a very rich and full prayer life and be very disciplined in the way you come before God and spend time with Him. But there's always room, there's always time, there's always a need, and there's always a blessing as we spend more time in prayer. And that is one of the things that has been on my heart recently. As I was preparing for our end of the year message last Sunday, um, I started going through and reading in my devotionals the the final words of encouragement and uh, challenge from uh, each book of the New Testament. And you know, the the writers of the New Testament, uh, Paul and others, of course, and even in the Gospels, they had uh, so much to say, even in the last words of their letters. You remember that um, these New Testament letters that we have, books we call them, were often, you know, letters written to churches to pass around. They were called encyclicals, and they were passed around to different churches to be read out loud. And they would often, as we do, maybe when we write an email today or a letter, we have salutations or things that we say to close and to conclude our thoughts. And they're not only words of summation and conclusion, but it's also a way to kind of leave people with something of encouragement or even a challenge going forward. So even as I was reading the the last words of of each of those letters of the New Testament, in preparation for... Last week's message is sort of how we're concluding and closing 2018. I found that many of those messages were so appropriate for um, how we can begin a new year, sort of a new year's vision. And so in and of itself, prayer is a perfect vision for our church going forward in 2019. Would you agree? That we would continue to be a church who, um, who honors God through prayer, who richly values prayer, and that we pray corporately as often as we get together, and that we pray, commit to pray individually for one another and for our church. And so I'm going to share uh, just a, a one verse today is going to be sort of our springboard and our jumping off point. There'll be many other verses, and as always, they'll be on the, the screen for you, but Our theme today really is, it's a message from me to you as the church. As the lead shepherd, um, I am called to be praying for all of you consistently. Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. And um, there is one particular uh, word of prayer that that the Lord just brought to my attention um, in preparation for these past few weeks. And it's from 1 Peter 5, verse 10. And I'm going to read it in, in just a moment. It's First Peter 5, verse, verse 10, and I'll give the context with it as well. But you know, yesterday we had um, a, a very, very special time 
here uh, in this building at Trinity where we were able to gather family and friends uh, to honor and to remember and to celebrate a wonderful life well lived of Marjorie Kinning, who uh, went home to be with the Lord. And um, it was a time not only of remembrance, there was many, many tears shed mourning for us, but joy for her. And there were so many stories that were shared. You know, that truly is a special time when you you have a, a service or a gathering of remembrance, a memorial service we might call it in memory. When you get to hear family and close friends share uh, personal, intimate, usually funny, endearing stories about a person that was so loved, you get to learn so much about that person and you just wish that you got to know them more while they were with us here in this life. And there was one story in particular really just sort of a fact, really not even a story about Marjorie that didn't surprise me, but that I've been thinking about ever since yesterday. And that the family knew that she was a prayer warrior, but didn't know how many prayer journals she had, that she kept these prayer journals, over a hundred prayer journals that she had. The family was able to go through them, find their names, and see their names over and over, knowing that they were prayed for. And of course, they knew that. They knew that Marjorie was praying for for them, even when they didn't ask for prayer. But to just know that she prayed and prayed and wrote those words down and just asked God and, and came before God on their behalf, interceding for them in prayer, just losing a prayer warrior like that is certainly something that we would mourn. But also should be a challenge, an encouragement to us that we would sort of pick up that mantle and pray for one another. Pray diligently. Pray hard, pray without ceasing, pray with expectation, as Marjorie Kinning did. I don't know about you, I'm not really a a, a journaler, but I heard that and I said, I need to start journaling. But you know, whatever that looks like for you, being diligent in your time with God in prayer is key to living the Christian faith. And it's become over the years a cliche almost that we are to pray more. But what better thing can you decide to do in this coming year than to spend more sweet time with your Lord in prayer? For some of you, it's a morning time that works best. Some of you get up early and some of you stay up late. Some of you pray on your lunchtime or in the car. Whenever you have that time, you make it a regular time and you pray because prayer is powerful. We don't know how it is that God works out His will through prayer, but He does because He calls us to pray. Even though He knows what we're going to pray for, before we pray, He still calls us to pray. So all we need to do is be obedient. Now it sounds simple. It is, but it's not easy. But that's what we're called to do. And so this morning, I just want to share briefly, that's always my goal when I say the word briefly, some of you kind of, yeah, briefly. But that's okay. I didn't expect as much laughter with that one. But that's okay. But just to share four things from this passage. As Peter wrote this, and as it was closing words for that letter of 1 Peter, I want it to be what I pray for all of you throughout 2019. And perhaps you'll use this in your prayer time as well. 
But Peter prayed for the churches, for those in leadership. And he prayed, and he said these great words, and I'll give some context in a moment. But he said very simply this, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you already to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Those are the four points to the message this morning. Restoration, confirmation, strengthening, and establishment. These are the things that Peter says that Christ will do for you after you have suffered for a little while. How will He do it? Through His amazing love and His amazing grace. For He is the God of all grace. So this is our verse for this morning. There will be others that help us to see this in a deeper way. But I just want us to kind of reflect on this passage and know that this is how I want to pray for you and perhaps how you might want to pray for others as well. That God, after we suffer for a little while, whatever that looks like for us, whatever He allows in 2019, that God, because He is the God of all grace, through His grace, He will restore us. That's a promise. And as He restores us, He will confirm us. And then after confirmation, He will strengthen us. And as He strengthens us, He will establish us. In a way, this is a process. There's a lot of overlapping, but there is a process involved in here. So I'd like to look at it. And I want to look at it actually in light of an illustration. Uh, You all know that I had a recent foot surgery. And you know I I knew that right away when I was going to have this surgery that I'd get at least two or three sermon illustrations out of it, at least. So I don't know if this will be the last one because I've used it up a a few already, but I think you'll see why it sort of came to mind. But recently, it was October 26th, and I had surgery on my Achilles tendon. And in order for the the surgeon to to repair and to uh, make right what was going on, the problem that had occurred that was existing, he had to go in and um, bring to completion and to perfection, as the Greek word says, to restore what was once healthy. And that is what it came to. But you know what? It was my decision. He didn't do it um, without my knowledge. That would have been pretty bad. But he said, here is what I am offering And if you are willing, I can restore what is broken and what needs to be fixed and repaired and mended. And so that word in the original language, we see restoration or restore. Some of your versions might have it differently. It really means just that, to perfect, to bring to completion, to mend. It is to restore something that has been broken. And we know because of sin, we are broken before God. We have been separated from Him. And so what we need through a Redeemer is we need restoration in our relationship with our God. But yet, it says in 1 Peter 5.10, after you have suffered a little while. It in a way is 
a perfection, a restoration by fire. See, when the surgeon had to go in, there was pain involved. Now, I thank God, as we all do for modern medicine, and that it's not like you see in the Westerns, you just take a shot of whiskey and they pull the bullet out, right? Thank God for for that. But I can tell you, uh, uh, maybe I've shared this before, but I was under like, uh, they numbed me from the waist down, but then I was under sort of a general anesthesia. And um, he said afterwards, he said, I was pretty pretty lightweight. He said, it didn't take much to knock me out. And then, um, but what it was is there was times during the surgery, last about an hour and a half, that I was kind of in and out of it. And there was a couple of times that I could hear him and feel him banging away on the bone. You like that? That's good. No, no. Now, I did, it didn't bother me because, you know, I was feeling pretty good at the time, right? In and out. But see, the, the point is, is that the surgeon had to go in and do some more damage, break down even more what was wrong to bring about restoration. It was the first step in a long process. He didn't say when you leave from the surgery, you're good as new. There would be some things that had to happen. But the first part was the restoration, the surgical procedure. He needed to make new something that was old and broken. Ezekiel 36, 26. God says it this way, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. See, God is in the restoration business. He will take a heart of stone And through Jesus Christ and Him alone, He will then give you that heart of flesh. Do you see the illustration and the picture there? We will have, as believers then, we can even have renewal and restoration even as believers in Christ when we we sense that perhaps our joy and our peace are missing in our lives because we are ignoring our prayer time or our time with the Lord that we then can recognize, God, can you restore the joy of my salvation? Psalm 51.12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The first part of this process, God is restoring. This is the promise for us, but again, it's after we suffer for a little while. God through Jesus Christ, restored that divine relationship. But He also restores relationships here on earth. We pray that God would restore broken relationships. That He would restore us to good health. God will work on you if you let Him. I had to allow the surgeon to do that work. You have to sign papers, and you have to pay money, and you have to sign more papers. And they even ask you, I'm so glad they do, Right before they put you under, they say, is it the right foot we're working on today? Yes, it is. And then they put a big red X on it. This is the one. And every once in a while, you read in the news, they did an operation on the wrong foot, the wrong... How is that possible? He asked me three times, he put a big red X. And if the surgeon couldn't get the right foot, well... So they did operate on the right foot. But I had to let him do it. See, God will work on you. He wants to. Because He loves you, but you need to let Him. How do we do that? We begin by praying. We begin by humbly coming before God and praying, just as the Lord Jesus did. He is not done working on us yet. We should say hallelujah to that. 
He wants to restore us and see us walk upright with Him again. Because there are times we begin, especially as we get older, and you see the spiritual metaphor here, we begin to to kind of hunch over a little, walk a little bit slower, a little more trepidatious. God says, I want to work on you. I want you to stand upright and be confident in your faith. Take those bold steps of faith like you did once before. God wants to work on you. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will not be done working on your heart and your mind until He calls you home. Our dear friend Marjorie Kinning was suffering especially the last year. We know she suffered so much physically, but didn't always show it. What an amazing woman of God she was. And she continued to pray. And she knew this truth, that God was not done with her yet. He's not done with her yet. So God will restore us. But after a little while of suffering, through His grace, He will restore. But what's the next thing? So there's the surgery. There's the restoration. But then Peter says, He will confirm you. So what do you mean by that? There's the restoration. I think we understand that. It's the beginning of that process. It's making new what was old. It's repairing what needed to be fixed. But then there is part of that process that he calls confirmation. He will confirm you. I believe what he's saying there is it's God telling us it's all good. You've got this because I've got you. You see, after the surgery, I needed to go for my first checkup. And the surgeon then took off the bandages and he inspected and looked at the incision. He looked at the swelling. He looked at his work. And you know what he said to me? He said, it's good. You are healing well. The restoration was a success and it's all good. So then I had the green light, the go-ahead to begin that healing process. Do you see that? Then working on gaining momentum. So there was the surgery, the restoration, but then he needed to confirm that what was done is good. And God does that with us as well. We go all the way back to Genesis, right? And you remember what he said after he created, and even in Genesis one thirty one, after he created all, and he said he looked at it all and he said, it is good. It is good. He went through the process of creating, and he said it is good. God says to you today, maybe it's a theme for you for this coming year, that it is good. You are good. You are seen as righteous and holy in the Father's eyes because the blood of Christ covers you. That's why Jesus tells us, He commands us, as often as we get together, we do this in remembrance of Him. The bread and the cup. But, after the restoration process, Our master, our great healer says, it's good. It's good. You know what that means to us? It means that we find our value and our worth in him. He is the one that tells us that we are good. We don't need to hear it from the world. It's good to hear from family and friends, and God will do that through us. But we are to find our identity. Listen, our identity in Christ and not the world. We are to allow our heavenly father to say, well done. Aren't those the words we want to hear? 
Don't we believe that those are the words that dear Marjorie and others we know, saints in the Lord that have gone home to be with him, have heard their first moment with him. Well done, good and faithful servant. In that passage, in, in that verse in Matthew 25, it then says, enjoy the glory of the Lord. Enjoy entering into his presence. And you see, that's what we want to hear. But God is the one who tells us who we are. It means that confirmation means you're ready to go. You're ready for the next step, pun intended. It means you are ready for the next steps. You got this because I have you. It's God saying you are his child. You have value. You have worth in him. For he confirms what he began. Because he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. Until that day he returns. We look forward to that day. But until that day he's going to keep working on you. And so that confirmation process is God saying it's good. We're ready to move on. Sometimes that can be scary. When you've just had surgery. You're not thinking about I want to get up and walk on it right away. Except I know if you've had your hip replaced, I've heard they get you up that same day. That sounds ridiculous to me. But I know that's the way it works. But see, but the surgeon didn't want me doing that. So I had a cast put on. And that cast was put on for six weeks to protect. See, it's part of that confirmation process. He's saying what we did was good. It was good work in there. And now we're going to protect it for a while as it heals because we, we are ready to go. And this is the first step in that process, confirmation but only after you suffer for a little while. Now, he didn't say that to me, but I knew that's what was happening. The third point. So, 1 Peter uh, 5.10 tells us that after we suffer for a little while, the God of all grace will restore you. He will confirm you, Peter says. Then he says he will strengthen you. That's an important part of the process, isn't it? When he calls us to himself, When He restores us and replaces that heart of stone with a heart of flesh, He then says He confirms it was good. And then He says, now there is a time of strengthening. There is a time of getting back to, perhaps, what you once were for believers. For the new believers are saying, now it's a time of learning and now growing. See, now I'm in that process of strengthening. I went through the process of the the cast. There was the surgery. There was the cast the confirmation process, and then you come out of the cast and the boot, and now I'm going to physical therapy. And this is where that suffering for a little while comes in. No, I'm just joking. But why? Because Peter says he will restore and confirm and strengthen. See, you can't just come out of a cast ever having surgery or injured something, and then all of a sudden you start using it again. What would happen? If I would have come out of that boot and then all of a sudden tried to walk, I would have fall over. I fell over. Why? Because all of the muscles, not even where the surgery was, but everything around it was weak from not having been used. You ever feel that way? Maybe in your prayer life, in your walk with the Lord, that maybe you're feeling weak because you haven't been using the talents, the gifts, the opportunities that God has been giving you to spend time with Him, to learn and to grow in your faith and trust in Him. So there has to be a strengthening process. See, I often like to get up and walk around. I haven't been able to do that in over two months. And now I can do it because I'm going through the strength, the strengthening process, see? 
So for me, it looks like physical therapy. Many of you have gone through that. And what happens in physical therapy is you are being taught to strengthen those muscles again. So you go through exercises. It takes discipline. And how many people have you heard about that are supposed to go to physical therapy and they don't? Or the physical therapist says, now in between your sessions, you go home and you do these exercises and you don't. And what happens? You're not going to gain strength. You're not going to heal the process that you're supposed to. So it's about getting healthy. Isaiah 40, 28, 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. Is that important? He doesn't grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. It's His power. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. What does he do? He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. My doctor asked me, what three goals do you have in physical therapy? You want to get strengthened to do what? And I basically said, I want to be able to, I didn't say run, I want to walk and not grow weary. I'd like to be able to walk up to the beach with my wife and enjoy a sunset, a sunrise. I didn't get to do that all last summer because of the foot. I haven't been able to do that now. But my goal is when the weather starts to turn, that my foot will be strengthened and I can walk. Maybe even do some running and play some softball with the church team this year. I'd like to be able to walk 18 holes of golf and not be in pain. See, these are my goals. That I would run and not grow weary. See, that I would walk and not grow faint. But that's what God does for us. Because this passage in Isaiah says, it's His strength. He does it for us. We are to rely on Him. But there is a strengthening process. But again, it only works if you allow it to. So here's that part of the process where we really have to pick up our end of the bargain. Right? We know the Holy Spirit convicts us and He will strengthen us and He will lead us to those paths of righteousness. But we have to allow Him to do it. We do that by obedience. When your doctor tells you to do something, should do it or else you're not going to heal you're not going to get strength the way that you should it's the same thing with god he says pray and pray that's how we stay strong in our faith he tells us to read to stay in his word to learn about him if we don't do that we will grow weary and faint for it's his strength to us so he will restore us And He will then confirm it was good. You're ready. The next step then is that He will strengthen us. It is that sanctification process that perhaps if you're a new believer in the Lord, He's given you that strength so that you're learning and growing in Him. But if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, there are those times, those seasons, where we are weak and faint and we are recognizing that our faith is not what it used to be. He wants us to walk and to even run with Him. It's only after we suffer for a little while. And don't miss that either. Peter says a little while. 
See, in, the, in that passage, he says earlier, it's, it's not what we read, but he's telling people, he says, humble yourselves, cast all your anxieties on him. There is an adversary, the devil, who wants to trip you up from walking with him. He says, resist the adversary by being firm in your faith. He says, you know what? And here, this is so encouraging. He goes, know that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. That should give us hope and encouragement that God is working on every believer, that there are brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are suffering just as you are. But we have the same God of hope, the same God who promises to restore and confirm and strengthen And then finally, the last word is to establish. So what would that mean? There is the surgery, the restoration process. We get that new heart, a new life in Christ. Then he confirms that it is good and I've got you. And and, and God says, let me be the one to lead you and, and then to strengthen you. So we gain our strength from him as we obey him. And we are disciplined in the spiritual disciplines like praying. But then that fourth and final word, Peter says, and he will establish you. He will establish you. It's like that point in the healing process where you've gained that strength, you now have full use of whatever it was you had surgery on and you can be walking again. See, I don't yet have full use of my right foot. But I'm getting there. As I follow doctor's orders, as I stay disciplined in that strengthening process, as God, the good God, through His mercy and grace, heals that, and as the strength builds up, the goal then is to get back to full use, full capacity. That is where we want to be as believers. Where we're not just surviving, but we are thriving. Where we are not just um, taking baby steps, but we are taking large leaps of faith. It's moving from steps to strides. You know when you walk, sometimes you're taking those little steps. Here is that establishment process where God says, you have the strength now, and you are walking after me. Take bigger, bolder steps this year. But you do it in faith and trust in me because I'm the one who's got your back. You see? So we are then to run and not grow weary, to walk and not grow faint but to take those bigger, bolder steps of faith. Hitting our stride, so to speak, so that we can go out there and play 18 holes of golf. We can run around the bases. We can walk to the beach. Whatever it looks like for you, you can then begin to accomplish those goals that God has given you. Those things you want to do for Him in honor of Him, living for Him. Psalm 37.23 The Lord makes firm... The steps of the one who delights in him or in his way. See, it's God that sets those footsteps firm. Proverbs 16.9 In his way a man will plan his course, but the Lord sets the steps. It's the one, it's the one that we serve who does that for us. That's the establishment. Psalm 40, 1-3. One of my favorite psalms. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. That's like the restoration. So he drew me up out of the pit, out of uh, of destruction, out of the miry clay or bog. 
He set my feet upon a rock. There's the restoration, the confirmation. There's the strengthening. Set my feet upon a rock. See? Giving me something strong to stand on. But then what does He do? Makes my steps secure. He establishes my steps. But why? Because He put a new song in my mouth. There's a purpose and a reason for this restoration, confirmation, the strengthening, and then the establishment so that we could sing a song of praise to our God so many will see and fear and put our trust in Him and God gets all the glory. And there's a reason and a purpose for that. So we are then given that solid foundation. We can then begin to sink our roots deeper spiritually as we learn and grow and then serve Him together. But see, that is the establishment process where the surgeon says the restoration was good. We saw it. You are going through PT and strengthening. And then there will be that day when it says there's no more need for that. Your foot is strong. It is healthy. It is good. You don't just have to survive through this. Now I want you to go and run and thrive. See, spiritually, that's what God wants for us. That we would then hit our stride. Now we know this can happen in seasons and hills and valleys in our life. You don't just hit that stride and stay that way until He returns. But that is the goal, isn't it? But when we do need some restoration of a heart that has grown weary, we do need confirmation and affirmation about who we are in Him, that we are His children, and that He's got us. When we do need some time of strengthening to get back to those disciplines of reading the Scriptures and of coming before Him in prayer, spending time with Him, letting Him speak to us, we then can once again be established so that we are running and not growing weary. That we're not just taking baby steps any longer, but we are then taking strides of great faith. But it all comes after we have suffered for a little while. In 1 Peter 5.10, finally we end with the way we started. After you have suffered a little while. It's not forever. Whatever God allowed for you to go through last year, maybe it's carrying into this year, I don't know. But the promise is it's a little while. It might feel like it'll be forever. But in God's eyes, in His perspective, it's a little while. But remember, what's the promise? He will. The God of all grace. He does it out of grace because we don't deserve it. He doesn't owe us anything. But because of His gracious love for us, He will restore you. And He will confirm that it's good. And He will strengthen you if you allow Him. And then He will establish you. Make your footsteps firm so that you can sing that new song that He's given you. And let everybody hear it so others will see and know that He is God and then He gets all the glory. It's my prayer for the church this year. May it be our prayer together for one another, for Trinity, and that God would then bless and use us as we serve Him together. We move into uh, our final uh, moments together around the Lord's table. And we do it um, just in simple recognition of what Christ has done for us. This is um, its a good reminder that what we call the Lord's table or the communion table, it is one of the two ordinances or the commands of Jesus for His church that we would go and that we would baptize 
but that also that we would, as often as we get together, do this, what we're about to do, in remembrance of Him. He said that at the Last Supper, the last time He was with all of His disciples together. And He was showing them, this is good, and this is what you should do together. Remember what it costs for your freedom. See, that gift of salvation is free to us to accept, but it costs Christ everything. And he knew what was about to happen the next day, the next morning. And so he said, as often as you get together, take the bread as he did, you take the cup as he did, and showed them. He said, do it in remembrance of me. This is my body. It represents my body. And this is my blood. It represents my blood. Remembering that in order for our sins to be forgiven, in order for the restoration process to begin, for that surgery to begin spiritually, for that process to begin, for the heart of stone to be replaced with that heart of flesh, Christ needs to go to the cross. None of that happens without Christ humbling Himself to death, even death on a cross. That's what we remember This is for the church family. It's for anyone who is a believer in the Lord Jesus. If you are still searching and you don't yet know and haven't trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you can simply let the cup and the bread pass from you. No one will judge you. But this is what believers in Christ, His church, are called to do, that we would remember. And you know what's also beautiful is that this was always, in the ancient church, a part of a greater feast. An agape feast, a feast of love. And that's what we're going to do afterwards. When we're done and we pray, we open those walls and we have a time of food and fellowship, continuing to remember what Christ has done. But we do it in a way that we celebrate. See, Jesus didn't want us to just simply mourn and reflect somberly. There is a time for that. And that's what we do now. But then we also recognize we are to celebrate the fact that He is no longer on the cross and the tomb is empty, that He is risen. And it's all part of what we do here. And so, as we take the bread, as we take the cup, as you hear the music played, just take a few moments as we make sure everyone is served to reflect on where you stand with the Lord today. What is 2019 going to look like for you? Maybe where are you in that process? Maybe he's trying to strengthen you and you haven't quite let him do that yet. Maybe you're in a time of establishment and you are taking large and long strides of faith and you just need God to continue to sustain you. Whatever that looks like. Bring sins that are unconfessed before God now. Be real and honest and authentic with your God. Take the opportunity to thank Him and reflect on what it costs our Savior to do that.